Drink Wide Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and JPAT here with you once again as we dive into some more off-season news. A big signing in the NHL with the uh, New Jersey Devils wrapping up a forward. So looks like signing season starting to begin here, JPAT. We'll see if the uh, Canucks will start to get some of their work done. Uh, we'll take a look at some 3C options today. I knew we were going to get here at some point. I knew we were. And uh, that, well, that is the question. And, and it's funny, too, because we'll bat around some names here. Ben Kuzma uh, putting out a good list on the province as well. And I like some of the names that he had on that list. But I think some of the things that people need to realize is just really how capped out the Canucks are right? Like I see people throwing names and it's like, how do you make that work? Oh, well then you just trade this guy. And like, but we, as we've seen, like that isn't really an option as well. So we got to deal in reality here, folks. And we'll try to, uh, when it comes to these three C options, but uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. A pretty interesting reply to one of your tweets from Gary Volk. I want to talk about that. And of course today is um, a dubious anniversary as well. And we will get to that. I got a betting line for you for a player that perhaps the Canucks, well, at least Bodog thinks the Canucks could be interested in. Might be an option at 3C, maybe even 2C. I'll get to that a little bit later on as well. But let's kick things off right off the top there, though, as we talked about the 3C options. Now, listen, they are capped out. So a lot of these guys that we're going to bring up right now, there's going to have to be uh, some work done to be able to even be interested in these guys. But I do like Ben Kuzma's list and... You know, I, I'm going to start with a guy that I think I've talked about before on here, and he makes a lot of sense. But again, going back to dealing with the reality of the salary cap, Alex Kerfoot, of course, the local product, spent uh, the last few years in Toronto, originally uh, with Colorado, came over in the, what was it, the Nazem Kadri trade. Now, he checks a lot of boxes for the Canucks. The only thing that I think they're going to have a problem with is, of course, that contract. Yeah, and like first things first, people oh he's a Vancouver guy. They're you know like I I don't know I, I, like I, I've never heard Alex Kerfoot say like you know I want to go back to Vancouver. Uh, people just make this assumption that all guys that are from here, and yet you know I always counter with the Scott Niedermeyer and Paul Correa and Joe Sakic. Uh, they seem to have pretty good careers without ever uh, playing in Vancouver, other than as visitors in the NHL. So I don't know that it automatically matters to Kerfoot. You know he's played in Toronto. He's played in uh, Colorado. So, uh, but, you know, he's a guy that sort of fits the needs. A a guy that can slide in as a third line center, you know, in a pinch, I suppose he could play a little higher in the lineup. I think he can play in most situations for any team, whoever's signing him. Uh, The question is, he's he's kind of right at that age where, you know, there aren't going to be a bunch of contracts left for him. He's not old. Was he 28? I think he's 28. But, you know, he's at that stage of his career as an unrestricted free agent where he's going to want to get his. And, and I get that. And so, uh, yeah, all roads lead back to cash strap Canucks. <laughs> like, uh, it doesn't matter what path you take. Uh, we did the pod a while back about all roads, you know, include some level of pain. Uh, that was to clear cap space. And that still remains. And ultimately, you know, if we're going to talk about some of the guys on the list, you're right. Like, we can do that. We can have this discussion on a podcast like Rinkwide. But ultimately, the reality is these transactions can't occur until Patrick Calvin and his staff 
uh, start to move some money, and we know how difficult that's been for them. Alexander Kerfoot uh, was on three, 3.5 million AAV last year. Now, he had 51 points in the 21-22 season, but followed that up last year with just 32 points. I don't think he's taken much of a, a haircut here, though. I think 3-5 is probably roughly where you're going to start with this guy. Might even be a little bit more. So, again, you're right. There's going to have to be some movement if there is uh, any sort of interest in, in bringing Alexander Kerfoot uh, into the mix. Another player from the Maple Leafs is David Camp uh, that mm-hmm. Ben has on his <laughs> list. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right. He's got about, I'm not saying out of the list, but, uh, again, they need more out of a 3 I think so, too. Camp. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, not enough offensive flair there from Camp. JT Comfer. Actually, you know what? I like this name better. And I believe somebody brought it up to us. Sean Monahan. Now, where is Sean Monahan in his career? What is Sean Monahan at this point? You know, when he came into the league, some thought, you know, offensive player, going to be, you know, one of your top six guys. But, you know, where he's at now in his career. But is this guy one of those guys that you're like, there's no way he will be priced out when it comes to the Canucks? Uh, I, I'm with you on where is Sean Monaghan. Like, he didn't play much this past year in Montreal. He was injured a couple of times, I think. Um, you know, is the possibility, and Kuz points this out in his piece, like a, a one-year show-me deal to the rest of the league. Like, if you're looking to, you know, get your game back on track and you know that there is an opportunity to be a, a third-line center that could play, and, you know, the heat's not on you to be the guy the way it was earlier in his career in Calgary. Again, I, I marvel at the fact that he's 28. Like, it just feels to me like he's been around the game forever. Like, I, I feel like Sean Monaghan should be in his early 30s, but he's not. His birth certificate says he's 28. So, you know, if he's completely healthy, that's a guy that I think there might be some life left in. But I, I don't know what the price point's going to be. Um, left-handed shot again, that's not ideal. And maybe the Canucks aren't going to be in a position as much as we, you know, perfect world. Yeah, they'd go and find a, a right shot center, but they went through that year two years ago without one. And then they thought they had one in Curtis Lazar and that didn't really pan out for them. So, you know, is it absolutely a deal maker that they get a right shot center? No, but again, to have some versatility, to uh, be able to throw guys out in certain situations on their strong side. And I, I think it matters. Um, you know, you're trying to put the best team possible out on the ice and it's the NHL, like every little advantage you can gain over your opponent should matter. And so, uh, it would seem foolish to me for the Canucks to go back into battle for another season without a right shot center, but let's see how things play out. And ultimately, you know, who are the righties that are going to be available to them? Seven seasons of 22 goals or more for Sean Monaghan. But then he's just followed it up the last couple of years with really poor point totals, especially in the 21-22 season, 23 points in 65 games. This is also a guy that carried uh, an AAV of $6.375 million. So I think it re- right away, like even if you're coming down on Sean Monahan in terms of price, like is he going lower than $5 million? I think you can write Sean Monahan completely off the list. Uh, when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. But again, I go back to the one year where maybe he realizes coming off a, a, you know, a dismal season that he has to take a step back just to prove his worth and set himself up for another contract. Uh, I need to know, does the boring Sean Monaghan Twitter account come with him? Because I think that to me would be... A, 
you could have JT Miller in the room <laughs> and you could have Sean Monahan over there on the other side of the room and see how that dynamic goes. Uh, on the list as well, JT Comfort for on Kuz's list here, of course, uh, playing with uh, Colorado. Yeah, yeah no chance, it just I seems think. like, again, I think Comfort and, and Monahan are the guys that. Sure, they would look they look great, but just when you when you look at the salary cap structure, it's just it's just not going to work. Ethan Bear, mm-hmm. interesting notes from Ethan Bear here. Of course, uh, Rick Dollywell reporting that he's going to require surgery, and we're looking at like a four to six month recovery for Ethan Bear. Now he doesn't have a contract right now. Our buddy Gary Volk, former Vancouver Canuck. I replied to your Twitter uh, when you when you tweeted about Ethan Bear yesterday, saying not worth signing, can't win in the playoffs. Move on from him. Now, interesting note there from Gary Volk, but honestly, I think some of the fans would agree with him in terms of you know what are you getting from Ethan Bear. Also, too, that might cause a major concern. The four to six months having to wait for this player, the Canucks don't really have the depth to sort of you know have to wait for a guy that you know, generally should be in their top six. Vancouver's busiest realtor taking time from like making deals all over the place to come <laughs> off the top rope. It's like alumni on current roster violence. I, I was surprised to see that from Valky, but uh, hey, I like, I like the honesty. No, I mean, he wasn't, you know, opinion. we all have an one. opinion. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, like my tweet yesterday, and we've discussed the fact that he needs surgery. And so I just said like this news now puts this right side even more in, in flux. You've got Heronic, you've got Myers, and then... You know, like, do they double back on Burroughs or Juleson? There's still time. And then you get to Jet Wu and Philip Johansson is a, you know, a guy that's in the mix as well and Cole McCord. So, and then I asked too, like, is Tucker Pullman even an option? And Dollywell was reporting that Tucker Pullman's camp, you know, they're, they're certainly not announcing that he's stepping away from the game. Like, they're trying to be optimistic, but, you know, we've been down this road with Michael Furland and, and others. Uh, I hope for the best for Tucker Pullman, but in my mind, the Canucks have to move forward here with their planning, not thinking that, oh, maybe uh, he's going to be okay by the time training camp rolls around. So, and then you got a decision on Ethan Bear, and I saw a lot of people saying, like, well, if he needs surgery, like, don't sign him. Like, you know, just, you know, wait until he's completely healthy. Well, first of all, uh, you have to be under contract to play in the National Hockey League by December the 1st. So it's not like if he was still rehabbing in December, uh, you know, he's got to have a contract in place. I, if they want to retain his rights, they've got to qualify him here before the end of the month. And uh, I, you know, like he's not going to have any leverage because he didn't have a great season. He has arbitration rights, but uh, if he's going to miss half of next year, I, I would think that if he wants to be a Canuck and the Canucks want to retain him, that Ethan Bear could very well just jump at his qualifying offer and know that he's got a contract uh, for whenever uh, he's able to play next year. You know, he would start the season on LTIR and and then you'd take it from there and, and see how he recovers in rehab. But but there are people that are like, you know, this is damaged goods. Like, you know, you've got a guy with a wonky shoulder now and Philip Hronick's coming off a shoulder injury as well. Although, uh, to the best of my knowledge, Hronick didn't need surgery, that they were just being cautious and allowing him to recover and, and, and rehab so that he's fully ready to go at the start of next season. Uh, I still think Ethan Bear is one of the six best defensemen that the Canucks have in their stable right now. As for whether he helps you win in the playoffs, like, how can anybody know? Um, the Canucks haven't been anywhere close to the playoffs. Uh, Ethan Bear was, you know, phased out in Carolina, essentially replaced by Jalen Chatfield in one of the great switcheroos of all time because Chatfield couldn't make a bad Vancouver Canuck team and yet was, uh, you know, a, a regular in that Carolina lineup and that made Ethan Bear expendable. So, 
Again, like, Valky's been around the game. He knows uh, more about what goes into a playoff performer and all that kind of stuff than I do. Um, I'm willing to give Ethan Bear benefit of the doubt here. Like, I, I just think, you know, he skates well, and that's uh, half the battle in today's National Hockey League. you got to be mobile. Uh, I do think he does some good things well, and, and he partnered reasonably well with Quinn Hughes. Is he the perfect partner for Quinn Hughes? I can't get there. I'm not going to say that. And I don't want the Canucks to settle on Ethan Bear as the best possible. Like, keep looking, you know, keep banging the drum until you find the right guy, the Devontae's for Kale McCarr. Uh, but in the short term, you know, when Ethan Bear's healthy, I thought he and Quinn Hughes played reasonably well. Uh, but I come back to the fact with Ethan Bear, and I don't mean this to to slag him, because I again I think he can play for the Vancouver Canucks. But if I ask you, like, what's Ethan Bear's calling card like what's the one thing that he does better than anybody else that they've got on their roster and I think that's a really difficult difficult question to answer yeah he can move the puck out of the zone but is he elite at it you know not physical not physical doesn't have a big shot you know again I don't want to sit here and all the things he can't do because I I, you know but maybe puck retrievals going back in his own zone and you know and, and trying to transition the puck quickly but he doesn't do it as well as Quinn Hughes so when I say like you know what's that one thing that sets him apart his meal ticket I don't know that there is one thing that he does better than anybody else that they've got on their defense. Yeah, the direct tweet is, Bear will not help you win in the playoffs, let him walk. That's what Gary said. So a lot of people pushing back saying, playoffs? (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about, playoffs? Uh, I see in some of the replies here, this is Dave on Twitter, uh, who put that photo of Racco Gudis, which looks like yelling in Joe Wall's face in that Leaf series, but said Racco Gudis would be a good fit. No. I know that you did reply here, and I kind of thought about Radko Gudis when it came to the Canucks here in, in, in terms of UFAs. Now, th- 33 years old, he'll be 34 in June. I, 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 no, he just uh, he just turned 33, excuse me. But, you know, at, well, he made 2-5 last year, J-Pat. My, my response to Dave was, I've got time for this conversation, because what's the one thing Rick Tockett had on his wish list was toughness. And if we're willing to explore the idea of bringing Luke or, uh, Luke Shen back, uh, and I don't think that's going to happen because I think Luke Shen will find employment elsewhere. You know, Radko Gudis does some of the thing, same things that Luke Shen does. There's an intimidation factor. Oh, yeah. The beard alone. The beard. Exactly. You know, big hit. Stands up for teammates. All those kinds of things. Like, what are the Canucks looking at? With Ethan Bear. Well, that's why I say with his injury, and if he can only play half a season, if he's not fully available until December, uh, you better not be going more than one year this year. Like, why would you lock into a guy, then all of a sudden find out that the shoulder's an issue? And so, uh, you know, and then if you're Ethan Bear, you know, he's an RFA, and there was talk about the Canucks, you know, trying to go three years and lower the AAV, but you're buying some of his unrestricted years at that point. I would think that Ethan Bear would want to go on a short-term deal, get healthy, and try to have a big second half of the season to position himself to go into unrestricted free agency and try to, you know, get the ticket that he's looking for. So the Canucks have a decision to make here. Like, we may find out that the Canucks see the uncertainty. Maybe they're not as high on Ethan Bear, although we know that they spent months trying to pry him out of Carolina and finally, you know, made the deal that they did, and, and they brought him in. And, you know, the reviews generally were fairly favorable from coaching staff and management. So I think they like the player, but this certainly, you know, adds a level of murkiness to it all now because of, you know, shoulder surgery is uh, nothing to mess around with. Like, you know, like you don't want a guy with a wonky shoulder, obviously. 
And so when can he get back? When can he step into the lineup? What does the team look like by the time uh, he's deemed healthy and gets the green light there? And who is, you know, filling his place in the meantime? Are you going out into the market and trying to find a full-time player? Or are you trying to just fill that gap with a few of the, you know, guys around the fringes who are essentially placeholders until uh, he's back and ready to go. So, you know, there's a lot of movement here, and it starts with a qualifying offer for Ethan Bear before the end of the month, if, in fact, the Canucks are going to go down that road. Yeah, okay, so give me a percentage, you think? I I still think it's relatively high. I don't think they want to walk away from the player entirely. But if Valky's consulting them... Um, <laughs> maybe those odds uh, are a little less. Who knows? I, 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 my sense is that Ethan Bear will be in the fold for the Canucks. Twelve years ago today, J. Pat, you remember where you were? I do. Um, yeah, uh, I, I remember a lot about that day and then the night as well. Uh, I remember doing Seattle radio. KJR came up for the home games during that Stanley Cup final and set up in the Shark Club. And I mean, we know the story of the way that you know the city and the just the momentum and the crowds out on the street. And if you weren't in a bar by noon, you weren't getting in. And so people were day drunk and the shark club, the energy in that place in the, I went over to do a hit with Seattle radio, probably around four o'clock. Well, I guess it was, it had been earlier than that. Cause there were five o'clock starts. Remember that was part of it. Daylight and this prime time in the East. I, so it was probably two o'clock and I, in the shark club, like that place was hopping. It was just the energy was insane. The anticipation of what was to come and how everybody was going to party and celebrate the Stanley Cup. Of course, we know that it didn't work out that way. But anyway, I mean, my stories have been told so many times about, you know, post-game show through the night. One of the great nights of my broadcast career, without a doubt. In fact, it's probably at the top of the list. I've been lucky. I've covered a lot of cool things. But uh, to do post-game and take calls through the night was incredible. So I've told my story. Where were you on Game 7 of that night? Uh, I was on Granville Island at the time. I had just started in, in, in our business. So I was still moonlighting, doing some extra work. Like I was bartending, still DJing a little bit as well. So I was bartending that night on Granville Island at the, the the restaurant in the Granville Island Hotel there. And of course, you know, everything's happening. And the next thing you know, you see the smoke billowing. And I don't know if you've been to Granville Island in the back there. There's a big hill in the back. And just went up on the top of the hill. And there is just smoke sort of billowing out from, from downtown. And then, of course, you know, inside we got the TVs on and everybody's you know, seeing what's going on downtown. I, I mentioned it before, like I was working for News 1130 at the time, but I was just like the the evening and, and weekend guy doing sports. And I had a media pass and I went to a lot of the games. In fact, I covered the Canucks a lot when they were coming back from on the road. So like when they came back from Nashville, our reporter was on the road at the time. So I would have to catch the plane when they came back into Vancouver, right? But that was really all I was doing around the series. I went to game one against Chicago and that was it. After that, the higher-ups at Rogers were like, nope, we need your pass, and I never got to sit there again. Of course, everybody was anticipating that the Canucks were going to have the season that they had. But that night, no, I was I was working, and uh, I saw exactly what was going on, but I was away from it all. I decided not to venture downtown. Uh, glad I didn't. I like this, though, because you know we're not here to reminisce about that night, per se. You put out something, you know, what has been the Canucks' best moment achievement highlight on or off the ice in the dozen years since. And (laughs) there's a lot of people that have got some interesting replies. And some of the things that you put down, you know, game eight in Boston, 
a 2012 Pe- President's Trophy, Sedin's 1,000 points, drafting Pedersen and Hughes, bubble playoffs, Sedin and Luongo into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And then as of recent, the Bruce There It Is chant. Do you feel like you missed anything on that list? Sure, and there were some additions. Uh, this wasn't, you know, really a, a suggestion. And we just went through this with, like, greatest Canadian sports moments after Nick Taylor's win. Uh, look, it's been a shitty, shitty decade. There's no way around it. 12 years, in fact. So this isn't me trying to sugarcoat. This isn't me trying to, you know, cherry pick. Or maybe it is. But, but look, the overarching theme is the examples that I gave are all so weak. I mean, it tells the story. But, you know... Th- Everybody knows that. Like, the Canucks, there's nowhere to hide. It's been a dreadful 12 years since they got to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. But even in that, over the course of 12 years, there have been some moments. So, you're right. Rather than just going down memory lane and where were you and all that kind of stuff, let's try and find a different spin on looking at the aftermath of Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. And they got that close and... You know, the, the game itself was so disappointing on so many levels. The outcome, obviously, but just the way it played out and getting shut out on home ice and team that scored first won every game in the series. So when Boston scored first, you kind of thought, like, you know, here that goes. And sure enough, uh, that was the case. The fact that Marshawn scored a couple of goals that night, that didn't help. But, um, yeah, so I, I just kind of was racking my brain about, you know, things that jumped out at me that were moments that provided even a little bit of brightness through all of the darkness of these last 12 years. And game eight was insane. Like, talk about an empty calorie victory, right? Like, it meant nothing in the grand scheme. You lost the Stanley Cup. You couldn't win it the next year, but they went into Boston and, you know, the fights and Cody Hodson barred down and Marchand submarining Sammy Sallow and, you know, yes, the Canucks won that hockey game. That's why I say it was empty calories because... yeah, they got the re- no, they didn't get the revenge. The Bruins were the Stanley Cup champs, and the Canucks got a, a midseason victory over the Boston Bruins. Uh, I think people forget somewhat, and maybe it's the best thing to do that you know they won the President's Trophy. The, the, the like they backed up the 2010-2011 season with another incredible regular season, which as we know meant nothing because they got bumped in the first round by the eighth seed, and Daniel Sedin got hurt, but. Uh, And I guess for me, all these years later, that's one of the great frustrations in all of this is that these teams that, you know, had runs, like the LA Kings, they won two Stanley Cups, and the Chicago Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups, and the Bruins won in 2011, and they got back to the Stanley Cup, and then again in 2019, and, uh, you know, the Canucks were one and done. That team, as good as it was, I don't think anybody can argue that, you know, on talent alone, like the, they were the best team in the NHL at that stage. But it's kind of like the Bruins this year. You know, it's one thing to do it in the regular season. You got to prove it in the playoffs. And and so the fact that that group never, never uh, was able to get anything done again in the playoffs is just so highly disappointing. Uh, maybe not at the level of losing a game seven on home ice. Uh, the way they did, but still, like you just thought that that assembled talent could have and should have been able to get on at least one more playoff run, and they got knocked out in the first round by LA the next year, and then swept by the San Jose Sharks uh, when the Canucks were the higher seed the following year, and that led to the dismissal of Alan Vigneault, and on and on it went. So, you know, the, the moment I picked was the Sedin's farewell night at Rogers Arena. I mean, that was a magical night. Yeah, it was Arizona. Yeah, it was the end of a season that, you know, they weren't going anywhere, but it was also the end of an era. And 
the way that Daniel scored in overtime from Henrik. Um, just the storybook stuff. And to be there, like talk about a building that was crackling. Uh, I'm not sure that Rogers Arena had been that loud since the 2011 run. So, yeah, I mean, as I went through the weeds and tried to figure out moments for me, um, you know, there were a few other ones there. Uh, but, like, I saw lots of people like, Tort Storm in the Flames locker room. No, I, I was trying to find highlights that actually made Canuck fans feel good in a moment. Um, uh, you know, drafting Patterson and then Patterson's debut, scoring on his first NHL shot, uh, his entire rookie season. Uh, you could say the same about Quinn Hughes. Uh, you know, somebody pointed out Brock Besser at that All-Star weekend. That's a good one. Like, just when you think of the promise that that represented, here was, you know, one of the faces of the Canucks franchise at that time going to the All-Star game and winning MVP, and he was so young, and it just represented the idea of hope. And, of course, here we are all these years later, and people are trying to run him out of town. You know, the playoff bubble, I guess, if we're looking at on-ice success, um, there was a faint glimmer there in the bubble. But, you know, doesn't that say something, too, that, you know, 12 years removed from the Stanley Cup final and maybe their best on-ice moment came in an empty building in a made-up play-in against the Minnesota Wild and then ultimately knocking off the St. Louis Blues. But as we know, the Blues didn't really seem into it. Uh, But still, in totality, you know, there were a lot of guys that stepped up in the playoff bubble. Pedersen's first look at postseason hockey at the NHL level, Hughes... Uh, Besser, you know, JT Miller in his first year, he was good in the bubble. Bo Horvat was outstanding. Thatcher Demko, we know about Bubble Demko. And they came out of the bubble as one of the sexy teams in the National Hockey League for a short, short while until Tanev and Markstrom and Stetcher and Toffoli all walked out the door. So they fumbled that whole thing. And so, you know, and then, you know, I I put the Bruce there it is just because it was organic. It was, fun. it was yeah, yep. it was fun, and there hasn't been enough other. I mean, that at, at at its most basic, when you look back at the last twelve years, there hasn't been much fun. And Bruce, there it is, was fun, but they managed to fumble that one badly as well. In true Canucks fashion, yeah. right? A lot of people were replying to your uh, your tweet saying firing Jim Benning on that list as well. And I like this one though. And we'll finish off here. Fisher saying no riot since twenty eleven. That's a good start. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. All right, as we go through the offseason here, we love to get your Ask JPAC questions. You can always uh, hit us up on Twitter at RinkWideVan. We usually have a posting up there. You can uh, post your questions below there or just at rinkwide van us and put the hashtag ask jpat also hit us up go goat sports inbox 778-402-9680 
Bruce on Twitter wants to know if Team Rutherford can't perform multiple miracles in the offseason, how likely is it that Tockett gets fired when the Canucks implode again in the regular season after players get injured from playing minutes they can't sustain and the team isn't good enough to compete? Oh my God, another coaching change? Yikes. No, I, I, I just like, I can't even get my head to a place where the Canucks will deal with another coaching change this coming season. This is their guy from Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh crew has been reactivated, reassembled. They've got their guys together. Uh, they like this coaching staff with Tockett and Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar, and we'll see if there are any additions to it. Um, I, I think after dismissing Travis Green and Bruce Boudreaux in consecutive seasons, this organization just has to have a, a quiet year. Just go about your business. Hope for the best, but even if things go sideways... You know, just lower the temperature and the volume. Uh, it was just so ridiculous there from November through January when they finally pulled the pin on Bruce Boudreaux. I, I just, uh, nobody, like the players, can't, I'm sure the players can't like operate in that sort of environment again. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just don't see a way that a coaching change is on the table for the Vancouver Canucks this coming season. What about multiple miracles in the offseason that Bruce uh, talks about here with Team Rutherford? Do you believe that uh, Jim and, and Patrick Alvin have to pull off multiple miracles here in the offseason? Well, I mean, I, that's a tough one to define, I suppose. I mean, it has to start with the first movement, the first domino has to fall, and that's just clearing some cap space, and maybe that will be a miracle because uh, we've been talking about it for forever, but... This idea that they are somehow going to stack miracle upon miracle. Uh, I'd need to see that, man. I would need to see what that looks like. Uh, I, maybe I'm lowering my expectations, tampering my expectations a little bit, uh, tempering them. Um, you know, I, I, we've discussed improvement from within. Uh, hard to get fired up if you're a fan, I, I, I think. But I do think that that is part of the plan. You know, they never state the plan. They don't come out, you don't get a PowerPoint from anybody at Rogers Arena. But I do think that they are banking on a number of players that either had down seasons or were hurt last year, uh, stepping in, stepping up and making this team better from within. I saw people pushing back at you. You were on uh, doing one of your hits on Sakaris and Price, just talking about, you know, perhaps just moving on from Garland for, for nothing, like almost giving them away and people pushing back on that. Honestly, that might be one of the miracles that people are, or that, that Bruce is referencing there, in my opinion, because we've seen it's really hard to move guys that the league just doesn't, you know, seem to be valuable. And that's really what's going against Connor Garland. Good player. He's just not valuable on that contract. Yeah. And I, I think, again, it goes to the situation the Canucks have put themselves in with two management groups, uh, not all on Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, but. Like Oliver Bjorkstrand last year was available from Columbus and Seattle Pounds. They had the cap space. They liked the player. I think there are teams out there that you know, they don't mind the player, Connor Garland, probably don't love the contract, but they know that the Canucks are over a barrel. So it's not about, you know, giving a, a fifth round draft pick. It's kind of holding the Canucks at ransom here because the Canucks have put themselves in this position where if teams are shrewd, they're going to force the Canucks to pay to get out from under that contract rather than just give it. I think if the Canucks could give the player away for a, a fifth round draft pick at this point, cut your losses and move on. We talked about Vegas and how ruthless Vegas doesn't worry about. Like if there's a mistake there, or even if it's not the best deal for them, it's what can the cap space do for us? How do we apply that? You know, is there a way to make our team better 
and they follow that path all the way to the Stanley Cup, I think at some point here, the Canucks just have to figure out a way to cut their losses, even if it's retaining some salary, just move on. Like Get that first little bit of flexibility and then make sure that you use it properly and start to make some other things happen. And that's why I remain. Like I want them to pick at 11 in the draft, but I also see a way that if they trade down from 11, if they could get a second rounder, then maybe attach that second rounder that you don't currently have at this moment and you attach that to a player and move the contract, now you're starting to get the ball rolling. But it's going to take that first move. And I don't know if they're, you know, the old paralysis by analysis thing, but like something has held up the flow of trade activity from Vancouver. Um, And not trade activity, because they moved Horvat and they acquired Hronik. They've been involved in trades, but in terms of clearing cap space, uh, there's just been some sort of obstacle that hasn't allowed it to happen Well, we're inside two weeks from the draft, so I want to believe that uh, some things are going to... I was so optimistic when LA and Philly and Columbus made that three-way deal a week ago, and I thought, all right, like here we go, go. let's go. It's like, yeah, yeah, and kind of, you know, I I saw Dallas and Colorado made a fairly minor deal today, but um, yeah, it didn't lubricate the trade wheel the way that I guess I hoped it would. Okay, well, what about this, though? What if the Canucks are at the same place they were last year at Christmas, this year at Christmas? Like, are they just going to, hey, no, this is our guy. We're going to, we're going to get through this. And like, what do they do? Like, is they're at that point where, you know, everybody needs them. Their guy being the coach. Yeah. Like just like everything right now. Like what if they are the same team they were last year, you know, at Christmas this year? Like what? What do they do? Like, are, are well, they? Does Elias Pettersson have an extension? Well, again, pro- probably not. From what we've heard from the agent, then I'd be really worried if I'm the Canucks at that point. If they're scuffling again and spinning their wheels, and the playoffs aren't a possibility, and Elias Pettersson is months away from you know the end of his contract. Yeah, I, I look. If they are back in the mud puddle at Christmas again this time around. I think you'd have to look long and hard at blowing some things up, but I don't think the coach is going to go. Like, I don't think, I think Rick Tockett is going to get a couple of seasons to be the head coach of the Canucks. I just. What about the president? He's bailed on a team before. Again, if they're in the soup at Christmas time, I think all bets are off for, you know, who's here, who wants to be here. If they suck at Christmas time, like at some point, there's going to be some players that are going to go get me the hell out of here. Like I, the grass is greener elsewhere and I want to go walk on that grass. And so, you know, they haven't been, like for all of their struggles. And we talked about the last 12 years earlier. That's one like they haven't had players that have forced their way out of Vancouver. I mean, Kessler to a degree, I guess back, but I mean, that's, they've turned a page from that, but I'm talking about this sort of more recent since the Sedin's departure, um, you know, there hasn't been any traction and yet nobody has banged their fist on the table and said, like, get me out of here. So if this team struggles again, I think you get to that point where some players are like, enough, my career is short. I want to win. It's not happening here. I don't see a direction. You know, taxi, taxi, get me out of here. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
DJ Pat segment was presented by our buddy Jason Hominick at Jason.mortgage. Yeah, we always talk about Jason here on the program. And if you're in the market for a, a new home or if your mortgage is up for renewal, uh, get some help on your side. Like, this is complex stuff. And take it from me. Like, I've been through the mortgage game a couple of times. Certainly didn't have the answers. Wish I had Jason Hominick uh, on board uh, when I was renegotiating. And, and that's what he's there for. He, and we, we say this as well. Even if your mortgage isn't up for renewal, but you've got some questions in these uncertain times, uh, reach out. Like, he just loves, this is what he does. He's been doing it for 30 years. He's there. He's a sounding board and a great way just to network and sort of create that uh, relationship that when you are ready for your next mortgage, uh, he'll be the first name that you think of. So uh, uh, look him up. Uh, easy to remember. Jason.mortgage is the website. Yeah, Jason.mortgage. That's it. No.com. No.ca. Jason.mortgage. Uh, starts with a phone call, and all his contact is in, contact info is right there on the website. Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. We asked for Ask J Pats. You could do your Ask J Mort. Mm, yes. Yeah? Does that yeah. work? Mm-hmm. Right. Could be a new feature, yeah. There you go. Don't know if this will work, but I was digging through Bodog in terms of some of their future bets around the NHL, and they've got some props on players uh, on where they're going to play next year. The Canucks came up in Ryan O'Reilly. Who will Ryan O'Reilly play for in the 2023-24 season? The Canucks are at plus 500. Now, it's the longest odds of any team. Colorado's at plus 135, and honestly, Colorado probably makes a lot of sense for Ryan O'Reilly. Go back to Colorado, in fact. But the Canucks at plus 500, J-Pat, that is a, a bit of a pipe dream, it seems like. But Ryan O'Reilly definitely could be a good 3C for the oh, Canucks. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a guy that fit the bill and helped the penalty kill in an instant. Uh, yeah. There's just that matter of cost. And be interesting to see what he's looking for. He's got his Stanley Cup. It didn't work out, obviously, in Toronto. Although, I mean, got them through a round. But, you know, what's he looking for at this stage of his career? I mean, he left St. Louis after all those years. Uh, does he want some familiarity? Does he want to branch out and explore new horizons? Uh, it's going long term. Yeah, I, he's going to be a fascinating one to watch here. And again, that's why I just I love the fact that we're now past the middle of June and things are going to happen. I can see July 1st on the horizon. I know the Canucks aren't going to be terribly active on the free agent front, but there will be teams. Teams will spend. That's just the way this works. And so we're getting there after slogging through May and some of June. Uh, I can feel like this news wheel is going to start spinning pretty quickly here. Uh, you know, it, we're what 10 days out from the award ceremony i'm really looking forward to seeing like you know and this has been the last couple of years now the professional hockey writers release like the vote tally for all those awards and so i want to see like did Elias Pedersen get selkie love did Elias Pedersen get you know any other like lady bing or you know were there like heart trophy that Eh, maybe some votes who knows like Quinn Hughes uh, and Quinn Hughes obviously so yeah like all that kind of stuff is coming here in the next 10 days to to two weeks so uh, looking forward to it yeah there's futures bets on Alex Debrinkat, Connor Hellebuck Pat Kane Pierre-Luc Dubois Vladdy Tarasenko and you just talk about you know the amount of movement that could happen around the NHL well listen all those names right there big names and they could be playing elsewhere next year but if you uh think you know where they could play well head over to bodog and place your bet and of course a rink wide vancouver is presented by bodog sports odds poker tips and free casino games it's time to play no j pat it's time for us to get out of here 
But we'll be back tomorrow to put a bow on the week, and we'll talk to our buddy Patrick Johnson from the province. It's been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bowdog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. Well, it's good.